Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of KidsViews.com. I'm here in the studio today with Amy Oztan of SelfishMom.com. Hi. And Andrea is missing in action today. But we are going to have a special guest join us. So for topic one today, we are responding to a Facebook post that made the rounds over the past two days, I think, about a child gone wild (laughs) online. (laughs) And we are going to have a special guest. You can hear giggling in the background. Uh, Letitia Barr of Tech Savvy Mama is going to join us for that. And then we are going to do topic two, which is Elf on a Shelf. Is he really training your child to live in a state of big brother and be <laughs> comfortable with it? Are we all indoctrinating our children with Elf on a Shelf? Although not me, because I'm Jewish. I'm not doing that thing. Um, and then we will have our bites of the week. So let's jump right in. We have Letitia Barr on the phone. Hi, Letitia. Hi, Becca. Hi, Amy. How are Hi, you? Good. Um, so Letitia, for those of you who don't know, should know, has an amazing website, Tech Savvy Mama, which you have built... I mean, really, it was this, has it been seven years, eight years? You tell me. Yeah, almost eight years almost in eight. January. It's crazy how long I've been doing this and how much technology has grown and changed. I mean, when I started writing, you know, software came in a box and there were very few <laughs> educational websites. There were no smartphones and apps and social media. It's crazy, right? It's amazing, really. And, um, and you also were a teacher and, um, and always worked in technology with teaching, right? Yes, I used to train teachers from Montgomery County Public Schools on integrating technology into their classrooms. So when I became a parent, it was a little bit different. Um, I started my site when our daughter was four. She's now almost 12. And, um, you know, when you're a parent, things change a little bit. All the things that I used to talk to my teachers about and educate them about, about using technology in their classrooms and things to look for and ways to keep their kids safe. When you become a parent, it's a bit different. So that's why I think this topic is so interesting. Well, we're really excited to have you because... We This Facebook post was posted by a mom blogger. Um, her blog is well in this house, Christina Gleason, and she gave us permission, so we're not just like taking her <laughs> Facebook post and talking about it. But she actually posted it because she asked for help online, and I'm going to read a little bit of it. She basically said, I don't know what to do after the traumatic confrontation we had several months ago concerning her son's secret Reddit account. He was nine at the time. He's now 10. They thought he understood things. We talked about internet safety, why kids under 13 aren't allowed to join sites or have Gmail accounts. And today she discovered that he had a Gmail account and a Facebook account and even started before the whole Reddit thing started. So she thought, you know, she'd go easy on him. And then he started a new Reddit account again Mm. um, two weeks after. So for the initial offense, they took him off the computer for a week. Now, after they had the conversation, he went and did the same thing. So she doesn't know if there are any meaningful consequences that will prevent him from doing it again. She's trying to figure out, should she let him use the computer for only homework forever? Um, You know, should she give him just this dinky old computer that sort of sucks and (laughs) has no internet access? Like, she doesn't know what to do. And the responses... I thought, were a little insane. I mean, people almost treated it like he was, some people treated it like he was, I swear to God, like drinking at age 10. <laughs> That's sort of what it seemed like. They were like, take it away entirely. Oh, I was one of those people. Take it away entirely? 
Yeah, only because um, my belief about punishments, this just doesn't apply to computers or, or tech, my belief about punishments is that if the kid keeps doing it, your punishment wasn't big enough. Right. So your punishment just has keep to keep getting bigger until you hit that tipping point where they get it. But how long do you take away the computer for for them to get it? Well... I never gave a time limit for my kids when they got a punishment. I would never say, you're losing this for two weeks or you're losing it for a month. I would say, you have to earn it back. You have to show me that you deserve it. And that just worked better on them because otherwise I could just see them kind of sitting out my punishment, like waiting it out. And I can wait a month. Isn't there? There's a criminal justice system. I think it's Japan, but I may be wrong, that doesn't tell death penalty criminals what their date of execution is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's what that is, Amy. Wow. <laughs> just never tell them when they're... Well, you know what? Japan has very little crime, so I, I think know. I'm affected. So something's working there. I don't know if you it's know, Japan. And Amy, I think that that's a really interesting point, that you take away the technology because it's clear that they haven't learned their lesson or the punishment wasn't severe enough. But what happens when kids go over to their friends' houses, you know? I mean, it's all well and good at your own house when you have things under the realm of your control. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer that kids kids will find a way. And so many times we can't control what's being done at their friends' houses. And honestly, I know if, if as, as much as parents want to restrict these things and think we have them under our control, craft, they're crafty. They're really tech savvy. They will find a way. So I think that it's really, it's, we can do it at home, but I think one thing that becomes tricky is when they get on their friends' devices or when they go to somebody's house and they're on their computers or they're playing console games and things like that. And I, I agree with you completely, believe it or not. Um, the thing about my kids, and I don't want to hold them up as like paragons of behavior or anything, but we did all of the really harsh punishments when they were younger. Like, they got really big punishments for, you know, things that, that they shouldn't have been doing. And they got the idea when they were younger that if they just followed the rules, their lives would be pretty damn great. So we didn't really have to deal with with this stuff as they got older with computers. So I don't know what I would do with my own kids now. But maybe you don't know. So here's the thing is that if your kid is on Reddit or looking at porn, unless you are looking at their browser history all the Mm -hmm. time, you really don't know. Like, I, you know, I'm actually she never said how she discovered it. Which I thought was interesting. Like, was she going through his history? Was she, did he tell her? Did she she happen to catch a glimpse of a screen or something before he had a chance to hide it? We just don't know. Right. right? We don't know. So I think, you know, part of the the conversation that came up is you should be monitoring their part of the deal is you. I get to see your browser history. If I ever see your browser history is cleared, then, you know, then you get it taken away. Now. I can't imagine this kid doesn't know about incognito browsing. Like, (laughs) you know, there's, you know, to your point, Letitia, as you said before, is there's always a way, you know, just like when we grew up, everyone knew whose house had the porn Mm -hmm. and whose dad had the Playboy. Like, there's always a way, whether it's at a friend's house, on a friend's cell phone. This kid is 10. Chances are he's going to start having friends with cell phones. Um, There's always a way. So, you know, the companies out there aren't doing it. They're not making sure these kids are over 13. And I don't know why 13 is a magic number anyway. Um, I'm kind of interested in what he was reading on Reddit Mm -hmm. that was so freaking her out because Reddit is a big, deep, dark hole you can go down. Mm -hmm. But it's also full of great stuff. I mean, so many journalists get their information from Reddit. Like, there's crazy subreddits. There's great subreddits. It's He's obviously super interested in doing something. And it's not the technology, right? It's what he's interested in that 
should be part of the conversation too. And maybe there's another more positive way to provide him with the content that he's seeking out on Reddit or whatever site it is. And you know, I think that's one a real a realistic thing about technology these days is that there are real risks and rewards associated with any piece of technology that we have in our homes these days. And it's having conversations with our kids from a very young age about the benefits and the drawbacks and what good things can come of technology and the very dangers that really lurk out there in terms of inappropriate content for kids and why it might not be okay for you to be on on these sites when you're under 13 and what kind of content is out there that you shouldn't see. So one rule that we've always had in our house is that we talk about anything and everything. So we've had these conversations with my kids since they were very, very young. And, you know, just trying to breed a culture of respect in our house. There are times where we have these missteps and we have a conversation about, you know, what happened and why is this not okay? But it's a constant conversation to have this day and age. But still, I don't want to ignore the fact that she told him not to do it, and he did. I mean, that's not a technology problem. That I still think that that deserves a huge punishment. That's why I'm wondering what he was yeah. reading and what he was looking at. It definitely deserves a punishment. There's no doubt about it. But he, you know, Reddit in particular, I thought was really interesting that that's what he was looking at. Because he had set up a Facebook account. I'm sure he looked at that once and was like, nobody's wow, there. Wow, that's everybody's cares? mom. Yeah. Um, and Gmail is Gmail, right? Like, you're going to need a Gmail anyway at some point. He's not looking at anything on Gmail. But, you know, Reddit, th- there was a reason he was there. Either he read about it um, or mm-hmm. a kid at school told him about some kind of Reddit thing or he you know, heard on the playground, whatever it was. Reddit's a kind of a weird site for a kid to pick. Mm-hmm. So it makes me think there's something he was interested in. I mean, for all you know, it's a Minecraft subreddit, um, you know, which there are bazillions of on Reddit. Right. Um, but it could have been anything. It could have been a gun subreddit. It could have been anything. And it does make me wonder, you know, the punishment is one thing. He wasn't supposed to have it. But it seems to me this conversation has to happen of, what were you interested in? And, you know, these kids can find anything on the Internet. Like, what if it hadn't been Reddit? What if he had been looking at one of those porn sites and she never would? Like, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just it just seems like it can't just be about the computer. There's right. something this kid is interested in. Well, maybe if the interest is something not porn and not guns and something that it's okay for him to be interested in within the confines of the rules of their house, maybe the answer is that he gets to earn it back. He gets to earn back the right to go onto that site, even though he's not 13, if he follows the rules. I recently let Fiona get an Instagram account, and I had been, up until that point, very strict about the sites that if they said you had to be 13, my kids had to be 13. Jake had to wait until he was 13 for everything. But Fiona came home from school one day and she said, I'm really sad. I'm the only one in my class who doesn't have an Instagram account. Now, when she was the only one at camp who didn't have an Instagram account, she didn't really care because she didn't have her phone at camp. Mm -hmm. But she has her phone at school. You know, at lunch, they're all looking at each other's pictures and liking them. And she felt really left out. And I got it. You know, I understood. So I let her have one private oh oh yeah absolutely private. and <laughs> i have to say that took a couple of tries like she said that she understood but then she just started approving anybody and we were like no 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 right there's a reason it's private <laughs> Private doesn't matter if you just you know approve random people but now now she gets it but so i i feel like if it's something worthwhile he should be able to get it if he follows his mother's rules right. the rules don't seem unreasonable but i wonder if they felt arbitrary 
Yeah. So here's the thing is you can have a million conversations with your kids about, you know, why you're supposed to be 13. But yeah, let's 13 face it, is arbitrary. Most adults don't know why it's 13. I don't know right. why it's 13. I don't think the FTC could tell you why it's 13. Yeah. Um, we always say that's our joke is that someone had an awfully awesome bat mitzvah or bar mitzvah <laughs> in the FTC. And they were like, 13, you are a man. Um, but you're not right. Like, like, you know, porn is what is it, 18 or 21? I don't even know which one it is. And, you know, cigarettes are, I think, 18 and alcohol is 21. It's like 13 was such a bizarre thing to pick. Um, And they can't sign a legal contract if they're under 18. So they can't agree to terms of service anyway. Like, the whole thing is stupid. Um, Which is where the Gmail account comes in because you're just emailing it all to your fake parent. Right. So. (laughs) Right. So many issues. So many issues. And I kind of think kids know that. Right. Like yeah. like you just gave Fiona a private Instagram account. So even though you've had that conversation with her 100 times, you're supposed yep. to be 13. Now you've sort of said to her, all right. Yeah. Right. When everybody because, else has it, the rule becomes arbitrary and stupid. Right. It's like so I don't know. I don't feel like there's a perfect solution for this. Like I think even taking it away and having that conversation, I think it goes back to what Letitia said originally, which was having these conversations starting when they're so young. And Just even like having facts, the conversations right? isn't a fail-proof method. We know that. We know we can talk to them until we're blue in the face, and they hear what they want to hear and do what they want mm-hmm. to hear, do that what they want to do until there is a really severe consequence. And hopefully, they get it. And it seems like in this case, you know, we don't know this. We don't know the whole story. We don't know what the content is. Not that it matters, but you know, there is that side there where yes, he broke the rules again. There should be a punishment in place. So. It's, it's tricky. These are the parenting things that come about that we just are kind of all wading through together. And this is why these threads are really helpful to kind of see what other parents are doing and get some advice. And I know for me, it always it, it, it lets me realize like, OK, what we're doing is OK with our kids. Maybe we should try this next time. So it is really good to check in with each other. I mean, it, it does take a village, really. Yeah. It totally and, does. And I totally appreciate parents who put these questions out there, oh, too, because yeah. they get all sorts of responses, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't really necessarily think that what he did was so terrible. I think the punishment should be big just because he disobeyed. Right. You know, like, what's the equivalent? Like, when we were his age, we were using the phone when we weren't supposed to, like... Or watching TV watching if you were TV. grounded yeah. and you watch TV right. or exactly. you snuck out. Exactly. It's not that going on Reddit or getting, you know, a fake Gmail account is that terrible well depending on what he was looking on, on but Reddit, even, I guess. But and even, depending on what the household rules are i think right. that's what it comes down yeah. to the household rules right i think it's just it is it's always about that respect between parent and child mm-hmm. at the end of the day and being a part of the house and learning and the, the truth is it could who cares if let's say he was looking at a reddit that was about like bunny rabbits even if that was the case if that's the rule of the house it's about down the line so now mm-hmm. if your rule is you don't drink and drive now, if your rule, you know what I mean? As your rules get bigger, if you've started to like slack off on the smaller ones along mm-hmm. the way, then it becomes these bigger issues later on of your kid not believing you when you say something or not taking your word for it about why things aren't good or for you. Or finding that loophole in the rule, like, mom, I wasn't drinking and driving. You know, I was at a friend's house. Their parent was serving me alcohol and I stayed in the house. I didn't get in the car. Right, and yeah. well, there's a loophole. And it's like, oh, good God, is that okay? No, not really. <laughs> right, right. But you, you've kind of set this up as a parent, too. So being consistent, I know, um, is it, being consistent is key in the rules and the mm-hmm. guidelines we give our kids and making it very clear to them because in our heads, it might be clear as parents, but what they're hearing from us might not be so. Right. Yeah, and giving a six or a seven-year-old a month-long or two-month-long 
punishment, which we did frequently, sucked. I'm not going to lie. Like, it really, and what really sucked Wait, is that's like. That's a really long time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what really sucked is like when my husband would tell Jake on a Sunday night, no TV for a week. And I'm like, you're going back to work. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Thanks. I have to deal with this now. Right? Yeah. It's a punishment for me. Exactly. <laughs> But I have to say, now that my kids are a tween and a teen, it's all paying off. We just seem to be having an easier time than a lot of other people who who didn't take care of that stuff early. So if you've got younger kids, I highly recommend putting your foot down now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I think tools like Instagram, you know, you were mentioning Fiona being on Instagram. Emily's almost 12. She's had an Instagram account for a long time, mostly just to follow what I'm doing when I'm away <laughs> from home. So it's been really interesting for me to hear her perspective on Instagram, especially how her friends are using it. She is, she's like the Instagram police, you know, she will not let people follow her unless she knows who they are. And even some of the people at school, she's like, I don't know you very well. You can't follow me on Instagram. Our poor children. I know. So, I mean, it, it is a, it is a very social thing for them to have these tools and, Honestly, if they are young, doing it together is really important because even if you're not an Instagram user yourself, I think it's really important that you sit down together and you learn about it together and you kind of guide each other that way and get advice from friends who maybe have older kids who are on these platforms and have some conversations. You know, I have a whole post on my blog about conversations to have with your kids about Instagram and kind of a checklist for parents about, you know, go through an account and find a picture you like, talk about it, talk about what makes a, a you know, a, um, a comment, a good comment versus a bad comment, and really make it a teachable moment. And that's where my, my teacher side comes in. Oh, we'll definitely link to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely link to that on our Facebook page. I think also, you know, the other thing is we talked about how they'll find it at a friend's house. It's mm-hmm. totally worthwhile to reach out to the other moms and dads of your child's friends and have this conversation together. Like, here's what's going on in our house. We found our kid on Reddit. Can you guys have the same conversation with your kids? Because obviously he's not the only one. Um, And it's actually, I think, an easier conversation to have than like the drinking, the whatever, because different people do have philosophies on that. Whereas this people genuinely agree like, oh, you know what? I don't want my kid on Reddit because just because they're so scared of it most of the time. But like, can you all have a conversation with your child about or like, can you all go on Reddit and see what's going on there? Um, because I think demystify it a bit, right? Yeah, demystify it and get parents on board together because everyone is going through this in this weird. Everyone's sort of talking about it and sort of not. And if all the parents actually got together instead of out of just fear and said, "All right, here's here's the rules in our house and here's what goes on here," your screen time rules might be different, yours might be different, but like, can we all agree that? You know, we're all going to look at our kids' browsing histories. I don't know, whatever whatever it we're is. We're all going to keep an eye on each other's kids when they're over at our house and exactly. kind of keep each other informed. And I think that having those conversations with our kids, but also with fellow parents, is really so important. I feel like these days I get a lot of questions from parents um, at Emily's middle school. You know, parents are diving into the world of cell phones and if they're on the brink of getting their kids cell phones many of the conversations happen around you know how am I going to keep my kids safe how am I going to make sure they don't you know blow up their data plan but also the social media tools and what is and isn't okay and who's using what and how you how you make it it, how you make it okay and so they're not the social pariahs and they are involved in the social things that their friends are involved in right this is where not knowing hardly any of the parents of Fiona's new middle school friends really really no I don't know any of them (laughs) Yeah, what was that app that I mentioned last week or the week before? Tendal? Yeah. That connects you with the... I need to get that started in Yeah, where you connect with other... Or a Facebook group. Sometimes the Facebook group's the easiest way to do it. But how would I find them? 
You know, I, the, I like the school-based apps because yeah, school they good. find them for you. Mm, yeah, that's All a good right. idea. Well, thank you for joining us. It was so wonderful having you. We will link to the things you talked about today. Sure. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciated the conversation. It's oh. always good to talk about these things. Yes. It's always good to talk about it with an expert. So thanks right, for joining thanks. us. All right. I look forward to hearing about Elf on the Shelf next. <laughs> we don't use Elf on the Shelf, but really, I mean, wow, it's Elf on the Shelf season big time. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Atisha. Bye. Bye. We will be right back to talk about Big Brother, also known as Elf on the Shelf, right after this. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. So we are back with topic two, the elf on the shelf who's really preparing your child for Big Brother. Surveillance. Surveillance. This is um, an article in the Washington Post this week. And um, and Amy, you were the one who (laughs) brought it up. This is what I find at one in the morning when I'm wandering around the web but it really is super super crazy so i have to say the article was based on a paper that was published called who's the boss um by the canadian center for policy alternatives and the lead researcher she's a technology professor laura pinto and she wrote this with selena nemorin and they argued that the popular seasonal doll is preparing a generation of children to uncritically accept increasingly intrusive albeit whimsically, whimsically <laughs> packaged <laughs> modes of surveillance. Creepily packaged. And it's Creepy. funny. It's, you know, it's so for those of you who don't know what Elf on a Shelf is, which I feel like it's a relatively new phenomenon. Like, I don't yeah. remember this when I was growing up. Oh, Nobody no. had that. So it's a book and a doll. It has a little pixie elf and parents are instructed to hide it around the house. And the book tells a Christmas-themed story that explains how Santa Claus keeps tabs on who is naughty or nice with the elf. So the elf is constantly reporting back to Santa about how the child has been behaving. So I guess Santa needed some help keeping his list, which he somehow was always able to before. Um, But it was really interesting. He said, because we live in a world grappling with corporate smartphone surveillance, behavior management apps in the classroom, private communication interceptions by various governments, they see Elf on a Shelf as one development among many threatening our collective definition of privacy. Now, I will say that as creepy and annoying as I find the Elf on the Shelf, most of the people that I see on Facebook and Instagram putting him around their houses they don't seem to be doing it to keep tabs on their kids like they're not telling their their kids that that's what it's for they make a game out of it you know the elf you're supposed to move them to a different place each night and he gets into mischief and you know the kids wake up and find him doing silly things which to me is just like 30 days of extra work that i have to do after <laughs> the kids go to bed so there's just no way that that, that and if I your would kids ever do losing this. teeth you also have to deal with the tooth fairy oh, that's just way too much I, work i was never able to remember that so yeah so like i wouldn't do it for that reason but i i, I don't really see my friends anyway using it like as a santa backup 
And I was always really reluctant when my kids were little to use Santa in that way, too. I have to say, we rarely resorted to the, you better behave or you won't get any presents because Santa's watching. But I think that's rare. I actually think people do use Santa as a oh, threat. Oh, it's so creepy. But they definitely do. I mean, you hear it in the stores when you're in there. You hear <laughs> them saying, if you want that, you better be good. Santa's going to know. Like... People, you know, who doesn't want to lay some yeah. stuff off on Santa? Instead? And then after Christmas, everybody's like, oh my God, what am I going to do to get my kid to behave no, now? But maybe about, that's why I didn't do it. But how about the kid who really wants something that there's no way the family can afford, who thinks yeah. they must not have been good enough? Oh, yeah. I always think about that. I think that is so awful yeah. that you could behave your tush off. And if you, you know, let's be honest, if your parents can't afford a new bike, or no one wants a puppy, or whatever it is, or your Xbox, then you're not getting it. Yeah. Well, there are so many, so many problems with the whole Santa thing anyway. Um, but this is a really interesting thing because, and she said, like, I know it's a toy. She's not like some crazy person, right. this researcher. But here's what she wrote, and I, I think it's really, really interesting. And they've, keep in mind, they have sold six million copies of the book and toy. That's the official book and toy. And it was a Macy's Day Parade float. So this is not a small thing. So she wrote, Elf on a Shelf presents a unique and prescriptive form of play that blurs the distinction between playtime and real life. Children who participate in play with Elf on the Shelf have to contend with rules at all times during the day. They may not touch the doll. They must accept that the doll watches them at all times with the purpose of reporting to Santa Claus. This is different from more conventional play with dolls where children create play worlds born of their imagination. They move the dolls, determining interactions with other people and other dolls. This is hands-off play. Every morning, the children acquiesce to surveillance during waking hours under the elf's watchful eye. That's... I would like to hear from some kids. Crazy. Like, if they see it as that. Because I, as as much as I hate that little guy, I just think that this goes too far. Well, she said parents routinely contact her to say they changed the rules after it made their families uneasy. Huh. And many kids often intuitively feel like spying and being a tattletale is wrong. A mom emailed me and told me the first day they read the Elf on the Shelf book and put the elf out, her daughter woke up crying because she was so scared about being watched by the elf. Duh. And they changed it so it wouldn't scare the child. Which is funny because when my daughters were little... You know, you spend a lot of time telling your kids they're safe, that, like, no one's going to break into the home yeah. and whatever. And we had not told them there was no Santa Claus. We don't have Christmas because we're Jewish. But we didn't tell them that because we didn't want them to tell right. other kids. So we'd go along with the Santa thing. What do we care? Like, Santa's not bringing them. So, But they <laughs> still were. So one day, Isabel, my daughter, maybe they were about three. She was totally beside herself. And I'm like, she's like, what? Where? How does he get into someone's house? You said no one can break into our house. How does Santa get in? If he can get in, then someone else can get in. Like yeah. she, the whole idea that you were so safe, but some man could. We don't. I'm like, well, we don't have a chimney. But and the family, neither I was, was anybody like, else in New right. York. I, well, then, but her friends who lived in an apartment building said, no, Santa still comes. You don't need a chimney because obviously their parents had to tell them that, like, <laughs> don't worry about it. And she, and finally, I was like, you're Jewish. He's not coming here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> There is he's, no Santa. He's only going to kidnap the children. Right. I didn't who even say Christian. he wasn't real still because I was so worried. And yeah. I think finally, I don't know if it was that year. Maybe the next year, my husband said to, to her, "Like there is no Santa, but you cannot tell your friends. You just cannot because yeah. it's because their parents want them to believe in Santa, which she couldn't quite understand. But like she didn't tell." Um, 
Whereas when we told her about the tooth fairy, she actually didn't believe us. When we said, we're the tooth fairy, she literally looked at us and she was like, no, you're not. She was oh. like, she's like, you wrote the letters. Like, she was so disbelieving. See, we had this one very memorable Easter dinner, Easter lunch, Easter brunch. I don't know. We were like in St. Thomas um, and for, for Easter break. And I said something dumb about the Easter bunny. Like there was an Easter bunny there taking pictures. The Easter bunny is the worst of all. Yeah, because there's like no no story. Um, But the Easter bunny was there, and I forget what I said, but it was just referring to like the real one and the fake one. And like the kids were like, "What do you mean the fake? Is the Easter bunny not real?" And in that brunch, it all came out. Santa, the tooth fairy, the Easter bunny—they all died that day. And. I feel like Jake was about 10 or 11, which would have made Fiona like, but that made Fiona like six or seven, which was young. So Jake lasted way longer than he should have, even though I do know some, I I have some friends who have 11 year olds who still believe right now. I think they want Um, to believe. Oh, the kids want to believe and the parents want them to believe. Right. So they're not, they're all, they're all bullshitting each other. Yeah. Like at that point. Totally. Um, But Fiona was pretty young. And so that became an issue when she was, you know, in like what? third grade and we had to tell her like you can't you can't tell your friends like if they still want to believe that's their business and she was like but why shouldn't they you always tell me to, to, to tell the truth mommy why shouldn't I? it was it was a mess but it is a kind of interesting thing so elf on a shelf so this article presents this weird idea that like you are having someone spy on your child you're trying to make your child comfortable with that <laughs> which is really their point yeah. that the yeah. more we as a society become comfortable with this idea of someone watching over us the more we become comfortable. Like, it is weird because a lot of adults, you'll hear a lot of adults all the time say, well, I don't care if the government listens in on my cell phone calls because I have nothing to hide. I'm not doing anything wrong. Right. And you realize how slippery a slope that is. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess you could say the same thing with Elf on a Shelf. Like, well, as long as I'm behaving, what do I care that he's sitting there looking at me? I'm surprised they haven't invented an Elf on a Shelf with a camera in it. I'm sure That the parents monitor on an app. Yeah. Um, But... It is a very strange thing that we as parents do, that we feel like it's part of the magic of childhood to believe in something that's not real, that's going to bring us like wonderful things. Yeah. Because why shouldn't you as a parent take credit for giving your child amazing gifts that you feel like they deserved? Why shouldn't you as a parent congratulate your child on losing their tooth and take them out for an ice cream sundae mm. or like say "Ooh, we might come in you might find a treat in the morning like why does it have to be from the tooth fairy like I, what is it about that that I makes it. it feel more special I, I do as cynical as I am about all this stuff I get it because I remember the look on my kids faces you know when they would reach under, under their pillow when they would wake up on Christmas morning and see the presents it was it's ma- it is magical but don't you think it would still be magical even if they didn't think Santa brought them no Really? It was super magical when I heard my dad using every four-letter word in the (laughs) book while putting together my Barbie dream townhouse. Oh, I have a video. (laughs) It's very magical. I have a video of me swearing my head off putting that thing together one year. Um, But I do, I don't know. I I wonder if it would be as magical to receive a gift. Like, there's a scene in Little House on the Prairie where they're all given, I think, candy at church like they have no gifts ever right like they basically like knit some socks and pass yeah. the same in, pair in the book they got like a tin cup yeah and there's like a i don't know if he was a preacher or what but he gave each of them um i think a book and like a piece of candy or something there's like one book where that happened mm-hmm. and 
no one pretended it was from Santa. No one, and they were like the most beside themselves you could ever imagine because they didn't get anything. And I wonder if it's just like our kids get yeah. so much crap all year. It did used to be that you waited till Christmas to buy a lot of gifts. Mm-hmm. That's not true anymore. Kids get gifts all the time. They're just not gifts. They're just purchases. Yeah. But nobody seems to it just doesn't happen anymore so i guess this idea that like santa's bringing it makes it more special yeah we have to put like an extra layer on it so that it's even more special than the crap we get right all year. so it's not just amazon i mean let's face it amazon prime is santa and all year it comes to your door i saw something so funny on facebook this is totally a tangent but i laughed my head off it said if my wife were a transformer her name would be amazon prime <laughs> that is so me but it's true like i remember my niece when she was three um every time the doorbell rang she'd go fedex yeah <laughs> like every time like a Pavlov's dog. Yeah, my kids are, are just used to box after box after so box that's coming I mean. every day. So maybe part oh, and blogger of it, kids are the worst because we get all the crap. So maybe there's like we've sort of desensitized ourselves to giving and getting because we're because things have become so cheap. I don't know though because when I was a kid, we didn't get stuff all year, and we still did the Santa thing. But but so let's say you didn't. Let's say it wasn't Santa, but you knew it was your mom who on Christmas morning had like worked her butt off all year and saved up money and got you something really special. Wouldn't you still have woken up in the morning and seen presents and felt like that was your magical day because you didn't get stuff all year? Yeah, I guess I would have. I don't know. I it's don't know like why a, we do it. I don't know why we do Stop it. Stop being Jewish. <laughs> you know there's a mensch on the bench. I know, but he's, Jew- but, he's, he's but he's not, not creepy. Elf, but he's not elf on a shelf. No, but he's funny. Because you don't put him out, it's already Hanukkah going <laughs> Too late. You already have your eight gifts. We never did that growing up. We never did eight nights of Hanukkah gifts. We never did. Um, we gave our gifts on Christmas morning. Hmm. There was no way my parents were getting it together to have eight nights of Hanukkah randomly. It, like, every year yeah. it's different. This year it's horrible. It's, or we're already in the middle of it. Like totally running to the store I know, store I moved my car today and I didn't need to. How stupid So, that? I don't know. I just think if we go back to this idea of Elf on the Shelf, I, this totally resonated with me. I do, I've always felt like in the past few years since it has just permeated Facebook, like it's everywhere, it felt creepy to me to have this dude on the shelf. I think the people who are funny when they like pair him up with Barbie and stick the eggnog and stuff, like that stuff's hilarious. But there is something creepy about saying... Like, he's watching you, so you better... My my kids would have been totally freaked out. But the the parents who do it, you know, they will defend this thing to the death. They well, I want to hear it. Best uh, thing. Yeah, well, let's wanna, hear from you, because yeah. to me it just seems like a lot of extra work. For, but you know what? There are some parents who do that extra stuff in a million ways that I would never do. This is just one more special thing that they're doing that I could never be organized enough to do. Maybe I'm just jealous. I don't know. I'm going to just leave you with the last paragraph here, which I thought was fascinating. She said, what is troubling is what the elf on the shelf represents and normalizes. Anecdotal evidence reveals that children perform an identity that is not only for caretakers, but for an external authority, the elf, similar to the dynamic between citizen and authority in the context of the surveillance state. So I don't know. I think we have to think about these things a little bit in a broader context when we obviously Santa's not going anywhere and I'm all for it. Have your kids believe in Santa. Have your kids believe in the Easter Bunny. Have your kids believe in unicorns. Have your kids believe in the Tooth Fairy. Leprechauns. Why, why wouldn't you believe in unicorns? <laughs> right. No matter what. Um, God, don't take them out for SantaCon in New York City. You will destroy <laughs> their image of Santa forever. Um, I'm all for it. I cry at Miracle on 34th Street every year. Like, I get it. But we do have to think about 
the things we tell our children in terms of not lying and not pretending and not and then the fact that we perpetuate these lies and I think Elf on a Shelf this it's worth reading this article just to give yourself pause about how you present Elf on the Shelf in your house that maybe there's other ways to make it fun and make it but not as a spy for Santa yeah <laughs> so and also stop making everything so damn special everything you know, know. There's like this extra layer of special on top of everything. It's give us slacker parents a break, okay? We can't make everything special. We're tired. Actually, my friend Claire posted the best post that we will link to, which was Christmas in the '70s compared to Christmas now. <gasps> I love those posts. It it was seriously the funniest thing you've ever read. It was literally like two weeks before. Remember your stupid tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's me now. Right? But you have to read. I mean, it is so funny and so perfect so we will put a link to that because that should have been my bite of the week because it's so fabulous (laughs) and again like I grew up super 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 secular so we had a Christmas tree because we lived in a brownstone and my mom felt like if you have a bay window there should be a tree you totally need a tree Um, so we had and then then they kind of felt guilty about it so over the years then we just put like lights on our house plants (laughs) so we did that (laughs) I could do a whole post about the weirdo things Jews do at Christmas (laughs) to try not to feel guilty but still get your decor binge um so anyway that is topic two and we will be right back with our bites of the week welcome to play it a new podcast network featuring radio and tv personalities talking business sports tech entertainment and more play it at play.it you're listening to parenting bites with rebecca levy Okay, we are back with our bites of the week. And well, Amy's going first because it's just Amy and I today yes. in the studio. All right, so mine is called freeshipping.com. And in the interest of full disclosure, they did pay me to write about them a year ago. But that's kind of moot at this point because I've been a paying customer of theirs since then because I loved the site. And being a paying customer means paying them, I believe, $12.97 a month. And in exchange for that $12.97 a month, you get 10% cash back on all of your purchases, except on special days when they do 20% back. They do that a few times a year. Wait, on all your purchases? Like all the purchases through the site. Like any place where you would normally get 10%, you get 20%. I waited for that. you shop on Amazon through them? Not 10%. Amazon does not give 10%, unfortunately. Because if they did, I would have so much money. Um, (laughs) But like I purposely waited to buy an expensive camera until they were having one of their 20% cash back days. so that's one part of it. So like that, it's like Ebates and other sites like right. that, that give cash back. Although ten percent, that's well because you're paying twelve ninety seven. Yeah, so you have to spend paying. one hundred twenty dollars for right. that, to which pay for know, itself. Let's be real; that is not a problem for me. But where I really get my money back is on any site where that that their site links to that doesn't have free shipping. They will send you a check for the shipping. Wow. So, like, if you're shopping from someplace that, you know, where do I shop? Or if it has a minimum. Yeah, like places like Bed Bath & Beyond, places that I buy from frequently where they do charge for shipping, I get that back. Um, If you have to return something, they will pay for the return shipping. Oh, I mean, that pays for itself then. If there is a price change, you can um, apply for, like, a rebate for the price change. And so it's if you shop a lot online, this site is incredible. I've been using it for a year, uh, I think 11 months. Um, I have gotten back so many hundreds of dollars, it's ridiculous, because now I plan my shopping around those sites. Right. Yeah. That's why those choices. But you know what they need? 
They need the Amazon. bar. No, well, <laughs> that's not going to happen, I wish. But I but I still use them for shipping. Right. But they need that bar that Ebates has, like the toolbar. Yeah, that pops that up automatically. You. I'm surprised yeah. they don't have that because that's how they get to track your shopping. Yeah. Like, that's weird. It's in their interest to have that. Yeah, maybe they'll have it someday. I love that bar. Flash is red. I'm like, ooh, 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 coupon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah mine has a little pop-up. It, yeah. it pops down and tells me, activate now. Right. Yeah, that's great. Um, so my bite is um, there was a Facebook post put up by uh, Tian Kim Lam, who I think we've talked about her before because she mm-hmm. had a really, that really good vibrator post, yes. <laughs> which maybe you should revisit now that it's Christmas time. We'll, we'll link to that again. Don't involve Elf in the Shelf on that. But um, Oh, I've seen those pictures. <laughs> they're really awful. But um, she put up a post about... Ex Machina, the movie that came out this year. It was a science fiction film. And just, she was writing about the symbolism in the film. And I said, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's probably considered the best science fiction film of the year by far. Really? Um, Some people are talking about it for best picture. I wouldn't go that far, but that is the realm it's in. It was so misogynist. So what I said was it was so misogynist. The guy's basically building sex slaves. I was like, I couldn't, I actually couldn't get over it. Like there was, (laughs) it was so disturbing to me. Um, and then we started talking about women in science fiction and started this whole thread. And I said, my daughter, one of my daughters is super into science fiction. And one of the problem is the depiction of women in science fiction in general, because they tend to be written by a certain type of man. And somehow every time they project into the future, women are like sex bots, sex slate, like all they can think of women. Like somehow the future isn't that women become more powerful and more is it somehow they become like sex slaves or the rest of them are androgynous and they're sex slaves. Like there's always mm. some sex bot in there. So she gave me a list on the left to right book club site so it's left to right.com i think it's just left to right.com but we'll put the link um and it's right w-r-i-t-e mm. so left to right um a whole post on diverse science fiction books mm. that is amazing and if you have a science fiction lover boy or girl doesn't matter um it's really worth checking out you know in our house i've tried to get my daughter we read just read everything by like ursula Le Guin, octavia butler who are the two big women science fiction writers but you know, diversities in all forms. And obviously, we all know the future, it's here and it's way more diverse. So these diverse science fiction books are super cool, super worth checking out. They're off your mainstream science fiction purchasing, but check them out. Awesome. That is my bite of the week as my daughter reads Flowers for Algernon. She just started that. Oh, I so love that book. not diverse. Um, <laughs> yet, yeah, interest so beautiful. Just and, a sweet book. Yep. Um, that is it for this week. Thanks for being with us. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash parenting bites. We will have links to everything, including everything Letitia talked about, everything we just talked about um, for Elf on the Shelf, this article that you have to read. Um, we are on iTunes, of course. Subscribe, rate us, review us. Please download us. We are so thankful to all of you. Um, our listenership has gone up just so many fold thank you um, so thank you and keep sharing and keep subscribing and rating it and of course on play.it where you can find Parenting Bites and all the other CBS podcasts until next week happy Hanukkah to those of you celebrating and to the rest of you keep your elf on the shelf happy <laughs> see you next week bye <laughs>